0: Welcome to the City Podcast, the first ever open-source film photography podcast. I am your host, Mike Ekman, and along for the ride right tonight from the state of Florida where COVID no longer
1: exists is Anthony Rue. Hi, Anthony. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Uh, we are ignoring the Delta. <laughs> the Delta.
0: <laughs> uh, all the way from Sydney, Australia, where winter is almost over, is Theo Panagopoulos.
2: Uh, hey, Theo. Uh, good- Good there Mike. Uh, yeah, we're we're not ignoring New Delta. We're actually been in lockdown for the last eight weeks. Yeah. So, uh,
0: I, I've uh, actually unintentionally selected two people from areas of the world that have polar opposite
2: approaches to COVID. Yes. yes. But, but glad to be here. Glad to catch up with you guys again.
0: Yeah, and then uh, finally we have a recent new homeowner and the owner of the Praying Mantis Cam, uh, Johnny Sisson. <laughs> hey, Mike. Hey, Johnny. so so real quick what what's with the the, the praying mantis you just found him
3: yeah he was um he he was living in my backyard on a uh bull thistle right out my back door and I walked out one day and saw it and literally it's like five inches long you know that's huge yeah so I you know I was like it's a mantis they're you know they're freaking cool and they, they don't they're not they don't hurt humans you know yeah. so i was like all right I had to keep an eye on this thing and it just hung out of on this one bush and it's doing its mantis thing but of course this bush is where all of my monarch butterflies are coming to feed and my big fat bumblebees are feeding and i'm like trying to go with the prime directive you know don't don't get involved let nature do its thing but you know she's eating my bumblebees and my monarch butterflies and it was just <laughs> great and then and then my hummingbird, my little baby hummingbird, was like buzzing around, and she's like, she's like standing there dangling, you know what I mean, wow. just waiting. And I'm like, all right, I got to do something. So anyway, she got relocated. <laughs> I, I put her over there. Within an hour, she was getting laid. They were making little mantis babies. Uh, it, anyway, that's my mantis
1: camp. The mantis, yeah, the, uh, the no, you
3: know, So apparently, apparently, that is a, a sort of a myth <laughs> that they chop off the heads of their you know of their mates and eat them i guess it's like they've figured out like yeah if you have them in a little you know thing in the lab it happens a lot more often out in nature it's like 10 percent of the time really- yeah so anyway i as far as i know there was no beheading after the deed, deed was done yeah. <laughs> so so ma- anyway she's moved on i man this cam is you know it's done for now. I it's guess. done for now. Okay. Yeah. So you, um,
0: you guys just posted uh, your first episode of the classic lenses podcast in a while. We did. I, I had a chance to listen to that. Was it good to, to get back on the, on the horn, I guess with those guys.
3: <laughs> it was great to, yeah, it was great to talk to them again. I, you know, I, I you know, my feeling, I, I want to talk about cam- cameras and lenses as little as possible on that podcast. <laughs> and we spent a lot of time talking about yeah. cameras Yeah.
0: Well, so it, t- to make you super happy, I, I wanted a, <laughs> s- something that really perplexed me about that podcast that I just, I couldn't wrap my head around. Um, Perry spent approximately an hour and a half talking <laughs> about this Fujinon uh, right. 55 mil lens, the F2.2. Yeah. Okay. You have one there. I have it right um, here. I don't have that lens, but I have the 55 millimeter, the f 16 Yeah. But it, it came out at the exact same time. Like he had it on the, uh, the 605. Yeah. I, have, I have the 901, but I know it works on the 801 yeah. um, or no. Yeah. 901, the ST901. Um, but what I, I didn't get is he was talking about the, the, the aperture pin and how it right. would fit his adapter. And I have right here, this is a Fuji X mount. So for the X mirrorless,
3: yeah. right, right. And
0: when I screw it in, not only does it screw in fine, I mean it'll reach infinity, but it actually pushes that pin in. Yeah. So when I change, when I select the apertures manually, you don't know if you can see it. It, it still opens and closes exactly like it should. Yeah. So is it? Does he just have a messed up
3: um, adapter, or what? What's well? What? So the issue is, and I, you know, I have it here in front of me, and the Fuji lenses have this little. I don't know Extra there's, tab. There's a little extra tab right here, a little clump mm-hmm. out, right?
0: This has that too.
3: Yeah. And there's no AM switch. There's no auto-manual right. switch. Like, this is that know, way too. The pen taxes do. Mm-hmm. So the, the problem is, and this is a long-standing M42 thing, is the adapters that well, so the adapters that have a ledge around the inside, a flange that push the pin. Okay. When you Screw it in. Like this does. Like that does. Which is all well and fine if they're decent adapters, but the ones that are sort of iffy, yeah, there's often problems screwing it in and that flange hitting the pin and not getting infinity, and so that it that the the adapters with the flanges are very hit or miss. The best ones are the ones without the flange, right? So I have because, a Nik,
0: I have a Nikon yeah. F adapter okay. too, and you can see it's super thin. Yeah, because there you go. A, a screw mount won't achieve infinity anyway yeah. on a, a Nikon F, and this does not touch the pin. Right, but it still screws on all the way. Like
3: I, yeah, it'll screw on all the way, but you won't get any aperture. Control. Right, that's true. Correct. Right. Yeah,
0: because it nothing's pushing the button. So
3: so basically, the long and short is with that whole conversation was. Yes, indeed, you have a wonky adapter.
0: Okay, so we have successfully <laughs> in two minutes because uh, because that's that's what infuriates me. I mean, I like your guys's podcast, but I yeah. listen to it and I'm screaming at the computer. Like, I wish you guys could hear me. You know?
3: <laughs> yeah, we we sometimes get on these tangents that that don't require as much conversation as yeah. The,
0: yeah. But it just—I I didn't know if he understood how an adapter should work. But I'm like, I would think of anybody Perry would know that. So, <laughs> well, uh, that,
3: I, you know, he's a he's a rangefinder guy. So that's I don't true. Think he's, he doesn't. He, I it, don't think he spent a lot of lots of time on M42. Stuff.
0: And admittedly, I don't have the two two. So I was I was making right, my right, judgment right. on the one six, which I assumed would be close enough. Which it sounds yeah. like it is. But
3: I, I definitely have M42 adapters that are wonky yeah that will not work with lenses like i have i have m42 adapters you try to screw in a 50 millimeter takamar and you go screw it in and the pin starts grinding i mean it so it's it's a definite
0: you you got to be careful with a lot of soviet like Zenits. if you screw it uh, auto takamar to a Zenit, a lot of times it'll get stuck
3: yeah Um, and even even the preset like i have preset you know carl's ice lenses from the 50s yeah those won't screw on either because okay. the 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 housing around yeah the elements will crash into that ledge before it ever so i mean okay. it's, a, it's a thing it is it's definitely a thing
0: probably trial and error i guess
3: yeah and you just you know you basically have to buy a decent adapter
1: and you okay. probably won't have the trouble so
0: so anthony any yeah. anything new for you
1: you've gotten recently well, I, I had an eBay adventure oh. like any I've ever had before.
0: I love eBay horror stories.
1: You know, you know that you often hear of, of like uh, sellers having horrible buyers, and this is the first time I was as a buyer, had kind of a crazy seller. Um, after listening to the, uh, um, the classic camera revival show, the Canadian show, they were talking about all the maxims, and I decided I wanted to try a Maxim 9. And as I'm looking for a 9, I see a nine X I looked like it was an interesting set. The camera looked a little rough. It was uh, a $400 buy it now or a hundred dollar opening bid with a uh, free shipping included. And so I threw the hundred dollar bid down, thought maybe I'll get lucky. And after a week, turns out there isn't a whole lot of people looking for nine XIs right now. And so for a hundred dollars, I ended up with a nine X I with a, uh, uh 28 2.8 and then two of the zooms and a really cool panoramic adapter kit oh wow
0: uh now were you- these were these real uh rock or the minolta af lenses yeah yeah they would be rockers but they're actually minolta's not like tamron
1: yeah 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 it's the all minolta lenses okay
0: that's a that's a pretty good uh, kit then
1: and uh um and then it had a uh a wallet that had seven of the uh the little cf cards oh those those yeah 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 it it doesn't have the one that i wanted that was the one that allows you to like uh have it rewind and leave the tail out uh but i've got the interval one and the sports and the travel and the portrait and the uh like fantasy effects which i really haven't figured out what it does yet (laughs)
0: anybody uh, who's listening in case you don't know what he's talking (laughs) about um i'm generally a fan of minolta most of their products over the years have been good but in what late 80s throughout the 90s they had this yeah they had this idea um kind of like what was that terrible yashica digital camera where you would have to buy different plugins for it to unlock like achievements on the camera
1: right so this has like a Like you put the, the portrait one in, it's a little CF card that that fits into a slot in the back and suddenly (laughs) it forces, uh, you know, uh, wide open apertures. Um, anyway, I put the bit in and and then it also came. uh, So it was a pretty complete kit. Uh, but I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and it doesn't show up. And then it like goes through a series of different shipping, right? I'm getting notices from eBay that it's got like different shipping uh, numbers coming through the post office. Like he keeps on rewriting the the shipping on it. And then it it ships and it it finally shows up in Gainesville and I have it delivered to my business. And I'm at the business waiting for it to show up. And suddenly there's a delivery exception and it disappears again. And on Monday I go down and talk to the post office and they're kind of angry because they're like, whoever this is, they kind of tried to screw you because they put a single first class stamp on a nine pound box and just dropped it off at the, uh, at the post office. (laughs) And there's, there's a significant postage due tab on it. And they're like, should we send it back? And I'm like, "Uh, you know, I'll, pay the postage, I guess, and get the camera, which I do. And through eBay, I contact the guy and say, "Um, you know, this is an, an auction that had free shipping and I just had to pay a fair amount to get it back. Can you refund me the difference? And you could tell immediately that the guy had had seller's remorse because he comes in over the top with, I bought that camera new and it was a professional camera and I know that you know what it's worth and I know that you know that you didn't pay enough for it. And you weren't supposed wow. to accept it. You were supposed to send it back. <laughs> oh, my God. So like, he, he, he
0: threw a single stamp on there and dropped it off at like an <laughs> overnight drop box, yeah, assuming yeah. that you would reject it.
1: Right. And he's like, that was supposed to come back to me. <laughs> oh, you're not supposed to pay that. And I'm like, well, I, I paid it. And his response was, well, then you're shit out of luck. And I said, well, you know, you may kind of sides with buyers a lot of the time. And he gets angrier and 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 he's like, you're just trying to rip me off. And I'm like, I won the auction at your terms. I paid you immediately. You had my money in your bank account. How am I ripping you off? And he's like, I want you to send that camera back and I'm going to donate it to a high school because I want anybody to have it for free instead of you. <laughs> Jeez. And I'm like, oh, I, no, I have the camera. <laughs> I've cleaned it up. I put a battery in it. I've got a roll of film in it. I'm, I'm not sending it back. And I said, if you'd like, I'll open up a, a claim with, with eBay for the shipping, which I do. And of course, eBay is like, you have four days to settle this with the seller. And uh, um, I just say, you know, just please just refund me the shipping. That's all I'm asking. And he sends me a one line note send it back and I'd ignore it. And the next day, um, I get the notice from eBay that the issue has been resolved and he's refunded me my entire payment.
0: So he just gave you the 100 bucks back entirely? Yeah, he just
1: gave me the $100 back. Okay. And I'm so, like, why did you do that? <laughs> he, he got that email
3: from uh, eBay that probably said very diplomatically, you're going to basically screw yourself. And in most cases, they, well, you know, they, then- they do that.
1: So I call up eBay and I actually get through to a person and I'm like, you know, I'm not trying to, to like get a free camera. You know, can't you guys just bill me for the auction minus the cost that I paid for shipping. And they're like, that guy just, why didn't he just give you your money? Why didn't, he, why didn't he give you the shipping back? <laughs> like uh seller's remorse. I, I really don't know. And, and he's uh, you know, I, and and he's been quiet through all this time. And, and suddenly I start getting these emails from him saying, you're a swindler. This is a con. You've ripped me off. And I'm like, you had my money. <laughs> you, you, had, <laughs> you had all of my money for this auction at your terms. And, uh, and, and so eBay, basically I'm like, well, what can you do? And they're like, well, once he decides to resolve it, that there's nothing that can be done that eBay would be, yeah, it's over with. If, if suddenly eBay had to like renegotiate every auction that had a conflict that that they couldn't have a business. And they're like, once he decided to close it and refund my money, they're not going to open it back up. And yeah. I'm like, so they can't, like, rebuild me? And he's like, no, we can't do that. And I'm like, well, what should I do? And I swear to God, the guy from eBay is like, uh, enjoy the camera? <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. I knew that was going to be a crazy
3: story, but man,
1: that's, then, that's one of the
3: craziest eBay stories I've
1: ever. Heard. And so yeah. then after it's done and he's refunded my money, and i resolved it with ebay then i start getting the messages from him again saying you you are a swindler how did you how did you swindle me um how do you sleep at night how do you sleep at night knowing that you were a swindler and a con artist and i'm like i just asked for you to honor the terms of your auction after i paid you
0: you should ask him if he's got any more cameras he wants to sell." (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh,
1: so anyway i ended up with a kind of nice 9xi kit wow,
3: wow. Hey, uh, anthony does that have the little pinch-in panorama adapter uh, it does all right so
1: so you put the little pinch-in adapter yeah. in it and it's got the pins that go in yeah and it, it activates an lcd overlay on the viewfinder yeah and it also redistributes from what i read in the in the uh booklet uh re- it redistributes the autofocus points uh within the panorama yeah and then the, i love it because it actually came in the original box and it has two sheets of panorama yeah. stickers for you so to stick on the cassette so that you remember yeah. that you've got panoramic so on the camera. that that
3: is that little adapter is like my favorite camera accessory in the universe because you can put it in almost any other camera Really, And so, oh, wow. yeah. So that's the, that's the adapter that I use in my BESA oh. L to turn it into a panorama. Oh, yeah. So you can, wow. so my, my BESA L has that mask in it. And then I have a 3d printed little cap that fits over the viewfinder so I can uh-huh. compose it in panorama. Oh, okay, Ooh, So I, that I just I just yeah.
1: picked up a 21 millimeter lens for my OM1. I wonder if that's, I can fit in my OM1.
3: There you go, and you can, yeah, that's yeah, you can oh, use it in almost cool. anything. Yeah, that's cool. yeah. I mean, I, I guess like the,
0: f- the film gate's going to be the same size, so it, it just yeah, has and to, it
3: it sits behind, so it doesn't obstruct most camera shutters. You know.
0: Now I'm I, seeing Theo just grab something from the cabinet. So
2: yeah, since we're talking panoramas, I, I thought. I've actually got one that's actually got built in. This is the um, Nikon. I'll call it Nikon Mm. because I'm (laughs) from down here. Um, The F70. Uh, It was one of my first SLRs that I ever got. And it's got this little switch at the back. Mm. Um, i hold this, the panorama Mm. switch. And it does exactly what you just described, um, but it's built into the camera. So it's obviously not as versatile as that little accessory. But it's, it's, it's a beauty because you, you stick on the wide lens, flick it over, and it actually puts up the LCD um, into panorama. It's only got one focus point, but it's, uh, it's pretty handy, actually. And um, the results are actually really good. I mean, you've got a good piece of Nikon glass on there, and you're a, you're a home host.
1: I've been that's posting cool. the panoramas from this over on Instagram, and they're shockingly good. Yeah, that's
0: awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Johnny Johnny's, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, your infatuation with panoramic cameras, you know, mm-hmm. uh the the Minolta Ps, the permanent panorama camera. Right. Um and then, you know, we, we both have the, the camera that got away the, the Kodak Panoram that both oh, I, hus- I
3: I actually don't have it anymore. It's sent pan- it. Oh, you did? Yeah, I sent it back. It was oh, okay. Not-
1: it was Not, no oh, okay. I've I've got the uh, extremely rare and obscure uh, Minox CD70, which was one of their late point and shoots, right before uh, I think it was Amrolly still owned the the name Minox, and uh, um, and it also has the the little panoramic switch where it like drops in the film gate and then actually changes the viewfinder as well. Oh, sweet.
0: Now, yeah. um, if you really want to go all out, I just saw. A day or two ago, you guys know Paul Ribel. Oh yeah, um, I I am so. You know, lusting after that, do you camera. know what I'm going to
1: say? I am I am looking to sell my blood for that camera, the Fuji
0: the six seventeen.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, the mother yeah. of all <laughs> the are, it's got A G six seventeen with four hundred uh, or four hundred activations. Yeah, uh, he just listed it. It's got the Amazing. center lens. It's got. I mean, it's got the uh, filter, the the center filter. Yeah. Oh. Uh, it's it's two thousand two hundred US, and I. You know, I'm actually trying to sell a fender base uh, to have the money to try to, to get that before he sells it.
2: Wow!
3: There's a a woman who came into Central Camera a few years ago, and um, I I should have her name handy, but she uh, she used that camera to do these incredible panoramas about uh, the wildfires out in California. Oh, Wow! And she actually went with the crews and everything, and so to kind of documenting but I mean, she shot it all on that camera and the, the book is beautiful. I'll have to look at her her info, but that's an amazing camera.
1: And if I, you know, if Paul sells his camera before I get hit to get the cash, the other sort of obscure camera that I'm really deeply lusting after right now is the uh, horseman Six Twelve. Yeah. Which I, you know, I've never even seen one in person, but I've been just, reading up and lusting after these cameras it's more, it's, yeah. uh, because it's more because it's 612 instead of 617 it's much more compact it's it's designed to be a handheld camera as opposed to the 617 which you really have to use on a tripod
2: yeah, yeah. those are the like 612 is a really expensive. nice format too for, for for putting into a book it, it, it's, it's a little yeah. bit more manageable but the 617 just sort of elongates the book a lot yeah yeah.
0: It's almost like if I had that six seventeen though, I'd like only want to shoot it at like the Grand Canyon. You know, like I wouldn't know <laughs> where else to use it. <laughs> or I'd find bridges. Like I'd have to be in like this never ending search for bridges and canyons. <laughs> I'd still shoot bananas with it. <laughs> <laughs> and praying mantises. Yeah. So Theo, have you picked up anything new? Anything exciting recently?
2: I did. I I, I did um I, I did show you briefly on the chat previously on this one, but um this is I I actually picked this up a Keystone oh, Wizard, no. and I must admit it's because it's called the Wizard. Yeah, it's yeah. How could you not buy a camera that's called a Wizard? Um, it's actually an SX Seventeen, SX Seventy camera, which uh, which is not made by Polaroid, and um. uh, they used to make cameras for Polaroid, and decided that they were going to because I think Keystone used to make movie cameras or something. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, they used, they made cameras for um, for Polaroid in, in Berkeley. So yeah. it's a good US-made camera. And um, then decided they were going to use that technology to bring out their own camera, <laughs> um, which meant they got sued pretty much <laughs> the day it got released. <laughs> <Silly>. <laughs> and, and this is actually uh, a nicely functioning model, which wow. fully works. And um, I've never seen that before. I picked this up. That, yeah. That yeah. I, 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 I saw it and I thought, a polaroid that's not a polaroid i've got to have that <laughs> for no you know
0: obviously anybody listening to this can't see what he's holding up but i would encourage you to look up the keystone wizard it looks like a miniature slide projector
2: yeah yeah look up the it wizard was- xf1000
0: cuz it's not it's it, you said it's an SX70, so it's but it doesn't fold. It's just like a black box with a whole bunch of chrome trim.
1: It also looks like a 1970 yeah. security camera from yeah uh, yeah the lab. Yeah, it should have like a blinking wow, red light on that. it. <laughs> yeah, that's neat. That's
3: crazy.
0: My, I have one Keystone oh. camera, and it's, it's it's called the the K1020. It's an SLR, but it's instamatic. It's an instamatic SLR.
2: So it looks very similar to the the one Kodak made, isn't it?
0: Um, not really. I mean, they had the um, no the Retina instamatic. That's what it was—the Bre- the instamatic reflex. It took um,
1: design cues from the Retina yeah. Reflex Four.
0: Yeah, it's got a fixed lens though, so it's not interchangeable. It's got this huge selenium right. cell on it, and and I I, I, I I like when I have a flash cube socket, I just like to put flash cubes in them, just because they look cool on a show. That's
3: like one step above the scammer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that's neat. So are you have have you been able to shoot the wizard?
2: No, because we pretty much as as I've been so i've got it and then we've got progressively in more and more lockdowns, we're at the point now where we're in what you know, effectively a super lockdown trying to to control this um the other virus. So uh it's meant that um moving around is very limited and there's not that much around my mm-hmm. neighbourhood to sort of cater for. So uh, the shooting shooting has been sort of put in the back burner. Uh, yeah, for I can understand that.
0: Yeah, if you ever, you know, um, you probably know this, but even with an empty old uh, film cassette, usually the battery is good enough to at least test operation. Oh, yeah, it works.
2: It's a fully working model. Okay. Yes, it fully works. You could even so. take,
0: um, an, as long as you have an empty SX-70 pack you can take pre-exposed polaroids and just shove them back in there and then stick the whole thing in the camera and see if it pops it back out so that's that's kind of a good way to test the old polaroid just i mean obviously it's yeah
2: i tested it out with an empty one okay
0: that's cool yeah let us know um if you ever get that thing shot because i've certainly never seen one of those before I got a new one. Yeah, they,
2: they, I saw it. It was locally in Australia and I couldn't work it out. I'm saying, what What the hell? Someone It got lost here somehow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Really? I've never. Keystone, that sounds, I, I'm sure that was made here in America. Um, Berkeley. Berkeley.
1: Okay.
2: It's yeah. Berkeley.
0: So for it to make its way all the way down there is a heck of a journey.
1: <laughs> it's probably Steve
0: Wozniak. Yeah. <laughs> <Is everything laughs> <all right>? <laughs> <laughs> so my latest pickup is is a camera that I think, Johnny, you you would really like. Um, and it's it's one of those cameras where looking at pictures of it online just does not do it justice. You actually have to hold one of these. It's um, the Petri Color 35.
1: Oh, sure. Oh, I've got this, one. This, yeah, thing, going.
0: this thing is like basically the Rolly 35, but Petri's version of it. And, you know, like I said, there's just something really neat about this camera. And, you know, I love the Rolly 35. In fact, the first one I ever shot was one of Anthony's. He's like, you need to shoot this camera. And he just sent it to me. And then I ended up shooting his and then I bought one of my own. And now I have a second one. I have one of the black ones. Uh, But then I saw this thing and I started looking for it. And gosh, Petri is just one of those companies I, I can't wrap my head around because yeah. some of their cameras are so good, but yeah. then some are just absolutely garbage. Yeah. And this one, I know it's hard to see just looking at it on a computer screen, but I mean, it's it's in perfect condition. The chrome is good. The body covering is good. It has a very German feel to it. Like everything's dense and it feels purposeful. And what I really like about it is it's the same size as the Rolly 35. Um, it shoots, you know, full frame, you know, it's got some most, you have to extend the lens before you can fire the shutter, but it doesn't have really hurt any of the quirks of the rolly though, either. Like mm-hmm. for, for those who, who aren't familiar with the rolly, you have to cock the shutter before you can even collapse the lens. That's not necessary on this. It's got the flash hot shoe on top instead of the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, it's inside the viewfinder. There's a little, there's a focus scale. With a vertical needle, and when you change the focus on it, the needle moves, so you can see it's a scale focus camera. So there's there's no range finder, which on the Rolie is not a problem at all. And you focus the wheel on the top. The, it's the wheel on the top, so you don't actually do anything on the lens. So the wheel on the top both extends the lens and changes the focus. So as I look through the viewfinder, I'm seeing the needle move back and forth. It's got a exposure or um, a CDS exposure meter with a match needle. And it's got one of my favorite features. Every time I find a camera with the feature where the shutter speed dial, the the wheel extends just ever so slightly beyond the edge, like the Leica M5, uh, the Canon EF, the SLR, um, and the Nikon FG are three cameras just off the top of my head that do this too. And the reason I love that is when you have the camera to your eye and you're looking through the viewfinder, you can see the match needle. And all I need to do is just gently like drag my finger across the front edge of the camera and I'm actually spinning the wheel so I can make like kind of like fine adjustments to the metering system to get that match needle right where I want it to be. And then you immediately hit the the shutter shutter release on it. So um, I haven't actually shot this yet. I I just got it. I was able to put a battery in it Um, once it, it is similar to the Rollie in that the battery compartment is in the film compartment. So if the battery ever dies, when you have film in the camera, you're kind of SOL, Uh, but at least it's just for the meter, you know, the, the, the mechanics of it are mechanical. So it'll still work. You just will lose your meter. But I tell you, this is a camera. I I was aware it existed, but it wasn't until I got it. And I kind of felt like how compact, you know, and dense it is. I mean, I really hope I like it. You know, I mean, again, I haven't actually shot it, but, you know, even on Petri's shitty cameras, if they work, their lenses usually are pretty good. Yeah. So I would be willing to... And it's a 40 mil, um, just like, you know, exactly the same 40 millimeter on all the Raleigh's. F2.8, it says it's just a Petri. I assume it's a four element, probably a Tessar copy is my guess. I don't actually know yet. Um, I will eventually have a review of this up, but not this year. But I just... This is a camera that's a lot of fun. I, at least I hope it will be.
1: You know, it reminds me of a camera that has got a bit of a cult following now that I just do not gel with, and that's the uh, the Voigtlander uh, VF-135 or the yeah. SF-35 yep. uh, Roly That yep. camera just feels like cheap crap to me. I mean, it's got a sonar <laughs> on it, which is nice, uh, but I've had two different versions of the... Yep, that's it. I've yep. had two different versions of, of that one thirty or the VF-135 uh not the same size, no. But if you it's look bigger, that, that that
0: that Footlander is a, a small camera,
1: yeah. And I have
0: them side by side, a quarter and, inch know, longer. It's 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 only on the computer. It's probably closer to half an inch. Wow, you know, and it's taller too. I mean, if you look, look at how much taller that is. Yeah. I mean, you it know, is it is bigger in every dimension. Yet the Footlander is about the size of like a Canonet, like the mm-hmm. later Canonets. About.
1: I really, I I'm, I got my copy for free, so I can't complain but I do not like, I do not get along with that camera. It just feels like it's, it's lightweight. It feels it just cheap. It feels like, like stamped yeah. aluminum. Yeah. It's, it just,
3: it's, that Petri is the camera that, that Voigtlander should have been. It absolutely. And it really is. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, what's amazing to me about that camera is that it came out in like 1968, 1970. And by that time, Petri, the nail was in the coffin. I mean, yeah. they, were, they were done. And somehow they came out with that camera.
0: You know what my, I mean? My guess is it was in the works because yeah. I'll I'll tell you that they they would they themselves and the, mm-hmm. the immediate follow-up to this camera, which I think they released like a year later. Like yeah. this wasn't produced long. It's called the Petri Color 35E. So you go, yeah. okay, E, what is that? right? It's the same size body, but they changed everything about it. Right. And it's garbage. Yeah. So <laughs> if, if you're looking for, I will have the review of this camera up. It's it's going to be next year because I'm that far behind. Um, but the difference between the Petri color 35 and the Petri color 35 E night and day, they're not the same camera <laughs> yeah. at all.
3: It reminds me of the, uh, the Petri, you know, the camera that I love this, the, the CCS. color corrected. So yeah. The color corrected super, which they followed up with the Petri seven. Yeah. Which is just to garbage. me, it's a, it's a train wreck. Yeah. It's
0: garbage. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only other Petri rangefinder that I like, even though I hate it is the racer. And, and the reason yeah. I, I like the racer is the ergonomics on it are really nice. Right. And it's small like these two, but it's, it's like the seven and that they almost never work. I had yeah. one that worked. I was able to get through a roll. And it died like on the last exposure. And in fact, I sent it to you, Anthony, because you needed a battery compartment was the same size as the Konica,
1: right? Auto reflex, right? Yeah.
0: He he discovered that the tree used an identical (laughs) size battery chamber. So I was shipping him a box of stuff. It's like, well, I'm not just going to unscrew the battery cover. And now I have a racer sitting here with the missing thing. So I just threw the whole thing in the box.
1: You know, the the racer also has very similar ergonomics to the uh, Canon Demi. The Demi. Okay. Oh, I can yeah. see that. Yeah. Very, it does. Side by side, and they could be clones.
0: But it's got that front shutter release that's like nicely contoured. It just it, it feels really natural in your hands. So it's like, it, I feel like Petri probably had a couple people working there that knew it, like really liked cameras, maybe. But I, I'd be willing to bet like the bean counters were probably like, no, we're not going to do that.
3: That's, I mean, that's the story with Petri. Yeah. You know?
0: And that's the way I always felt about Kodak, too. Like, Kodak never had the fact that they were film first. But then they would release the medalist, you know, or they'd release, you know, I mean, granted the extra is kind of an anomaly and that it's just so overly engineered. It was a miserable failure. But like even the tourist, the folding tourists yeah. have outstanding lenses. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can find one that doesn't have a rotted bellows, those are actually fantastic cameras to shoot, you know, so like Kodak would every once in a while come out with a really nice camera and then they have shit.
1: You because know, even the Signet 35 is like Signet a, 35. You know, yeah. it's a nice comparison to the Vito B. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a similar form factor, great little lens, compact.
0: You know, it sucks because um, you know Theo, you're in Australia, but getting American cameras down there is just shipping just kills them. But for people who it's can hard. find,
2: never we never have to buy. It yeah, whenever we have to buy from the U S it's, it, it's, unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, the, the pricing, um, if we can find them in Japan or, or Europe, it's a bit more reasonable for some reason, but yeah. whenever it's the U S it's, it's super expensive. But I mean, in terms of cameras and quality, I mean, I've got a retina, which I absolutely love. Um, the, the, the quality of that lens and the quality of that, um, the results from that, it's just superb. So, yeah. um, I, I, I sort of agree with you, uh, Mike, it's, they they kind of put themselves as film first, but they they bring out these cameras, which became iconic, basically. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Kodak is just, you know, like I, like I said, they never hit that they were film first. They they only made cameras to be able to sell more film. Right. You know, and every time they had a good one, they didn't keep doing it. You know, it's kind of a shame. Like they would sometimes have a really nice camera and then they would follow it up with a piece of crap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I was wondering, like, are, can you guys think of, like, you know, I mentioned this Petri, I, I was aware that it existed, but it wasn't until I held one that I kind of got it. Like, can, can you think of any other examples of cameras that seeing pictures of them online, don't do them justice. You just kind of need to handle.
3: I I would say the dial. Right. <laughs> say that again. Oh. The, uh, the, can, the Canon the dial, the dial. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's friend. just, you can't, it doesn't make any sense until you hold it. Yeah, it's I mean, like, it's, a, uh, it's a truly what?
0: one-handed camera.
3: Right, yeah. What has he got there? Oh, I can't yeah. I The, the, <laughs> the Balami? Yeah. Oh, there, oh
0: there we go.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, with, it's,
1: with,
2: it's, with the orange filter and everything. Yeah, with the filter. Yeah.
0: It's almost a shame that Canon didn't make a left-handed version of that camera, so you could have one in one hand and one in the other, <laughs> you know? Because, I mean... Yeah, there you go. That's neat. The barn door. It's it's the poor man's Vitessa. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's really nice. I always but, thought. Uh, too... to... Go ahead, Theo. Sorry, go on, Mike.
0: I always thought that um, the pre Spotmatic Pentaxes. I feel the same way about two. For oh. one, they're common as dirt. You find them everywhere, and I even have a bunch of them. And I like whenever I'm thinking, "Gee, I want to take out something new this weekend, or something I haven't shot in a while." I almost never think to pick up like the SV or something. But when I actually do, and I hold those older, like I said, the pre spot there's just, there's, mm-hmm. they're, they're like the Toyota Camry, you know, they there's really like the design of it is very basic, very Japanese, you know, function over form, but they're just, there's just something about old Pentax that I just, I love holding them. I love the way they feel in my hand. I love the sounds they make. You know, of course the Takamars are great too, but yeah, I, I just I think that because you see them so often, you don't get that excited when you see an old Pentax. But as soon as I pick one up, I always just I really love holding those things.
1: Well even, yeah. even post-spotmatic, I uh from Paul Reibold, I picked up a black ES uh, that works perfectly. Yeah. And wow. you know, I just I feel like I should, you know be at the, uh, Hammersmith Odeon filming the clash, <laughs> uh, without, yeah. you know, yeah. and, uh, it's just like, it's, it, it's a joy to shoot, you know, it's just like, not it's not a camera that's like, it's not sexy, you know, it's not like a cult camera or anything, but, uh, they're just extremely you know, the hand ability on it is fantastic. And they just, they shoot really easily. And at
0: least the ESs use just regular button cells, Right. Right. Because for a while there, the Spotmatics had that like really, yeah. really tiny battery. That, what is it? Yeah. 389, yeah. I think it was, that even today is hard to find. And they, oh, I don't know if they use a different kind of metal, but it seems like Spotmatic SLRs are the most likely camera to have a completely like seized battery yeah. chamber.
3: Oh, like, yeah. You can't yeah. even get it open. Yeah.
0: I don't know what it is about them over. They just others. cement in there. Yeah. I mean, other yeah. cameras that could happen to you also, but it seems like. Four out of five spot maddox, you're not even going to get the battering compartment open. No.
1: <laughs> so, so do you want to see my uh most ridiculous camera that I have loaded up to shoot this week? Sure. Or
0: oh, he's gonna he's gonna grab something. Is it it's a Mickey big. Mouse camera? Yeah. Oh, that is big. Oh no,
3: <laughs> <That's>, uh... <laughs> the Fuji.
2: Oh, is got the Fuji. Oh my god, that is big. Oh, the GX 680. Yeah. The thing is and,
3: you, and but do you have the battery pack? <laughs> can <laughs> does you it power like, Doesn't does not have power captain?
0: <laughs> can you do you need like a car battery that you hang for yeah. like a strap, you know? To power it. That thing is massive. I have shot it handheld once. <laughs> well I imagine it's so big it's probably easy to stabilize, right? Or no, Sort of. You know, because sometimes the, the heavier cameras like stabilize
3: yeah. anthony that looks like a good uh gator photographing camera because if they get too close you just throw it at them
1: i actually have shots with gators with this camera. yeah of
2: course you do time <laughs> watch how, how does it compare to how does it compare to the rb67 No. this it's yeah, way bigger side-wise.
1: i you know i've never it's used way bigger one before, it before but this is way bigger <laughs> This is big.
2: <laughs> this is
1: really, really big. I mean, it's right. got, it's got, plus I've got the extension rails for it. You know, it has full camera movements. It could, so it has tilt, swing, lift, fall. Um, you know, I've got a, a kit now with like four of the lenses and, uh, and three different types of backs for it. And, uh, it's, it's, it's a beast. You yeah. know, you it can
3: make the down to, makes the RB look like it shoots 35 millimeter or something.
1: You know, you, you can you Jeez. can focus down to uh, <laughs> like three inches on it. It's I it's meant for doing yeah. like product photography, and uh it's just it's it's bonkers. It uh um it also you know it shoots six by eight, but it also has a six by seven and a six four five mask mm-hmm. for it as well. Uh and then it you know automatically switches over the viewfinder and Uh, you know, brings up different masks in the viewfinder with each of the uh adapters in the back, yeah. I
0: like six by seven, you know. I mean, it's like sometimes six by by eight. Can it do six seven too?
1: Yeah, it does. Yeah, I think there's a a six seven adapter.
0: Yeah, that's one format you just not a lot of people used. You know, the, the Connie Omega did it, um, Pentax had the S, the six seven uh but I, I don't know that too many people really embraced no maybe mm-hmm. yeah, had a 672 didn't they
3: mm-hmm.
0: yeah i can't remember
3: and there's the makina course
0: okay because i guess just more than I, i'm thinking theo's got one there right
2: we there. go yeah oh man that thing's beautiful that 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 is my my favorite and top camera yeah it's, it's, it's the camera i will die with okay. um yeah, unless it dies on me first of course <laughs> but um right. <laughs> uh, wow. in which case I'll, I'll cry about all the money I've lost on it but its um, I managed to get this um old new stock wow so uh so was when, when was amazing. that made originally the late 90s 90s okay so oh. late 90s um absolutely beautiful camera to use the um the Mamiya Seven, just the the focusing's good, the the um the clarity's fantastic. The lenses are just amazing. Yeah. Problem is they're they're too amazing. They're probably too clinical. So um that that's for some people, but for me it's, it's just my ultimate camera.
0: Yeah, you know I don't um, have but, a problem with you know having cameras with like clinically sharp lenses. I mean there's a, there's a place for that. You know, but like, you know, sometimes people, I think, go a little bit too far the other way, you know, with, with Perry and his F2-2 Fujinons, you know, um, th- they're going for a specific look, you know, I, I, I like this hobby where you can kind of have a little bit of both, you know, when you want that razor sharp, almost digital look, but on film, you can do that, you know, if you yeah. want a camera with with vignetting, you can do that, you know, and sometimes... Yeah. I did that. Um, I don't know how, how if you guys read all my reviews, but I did a review for the Kemper Combi. That t- it's a tiny little oh yeah, yeah. box. I mean, it's literally like slightly larger than a, a dice. <laughs> this thing is small and it shoots tiny little circular images, and it was it was a royal pain in the ass. Like I borrowed that, and I I was excited to send it back to its owner. But, like, after, like, the hatred of using it subsided in me, I looked at the images I got from it, and they were cool. Like, I genuinely felt like I was creating images that were shot 120 years ago. So, you know, I I like having the option of, like, whatever I want, you know, those kinds of super sharp. Yeah, he's got the Minox there. Yeah, I have a Minolta 16 I've never shot before. Uh, I know that's not the same size film, but. Um, I, I, I've I been apprehensive about subman cameras, partially because I don't have a good way of developing the film myself. I need to get some new reels or well, something. If
1: I, if I send you this, I'll send you my uh, Minox developing tank.
0: All right. That would help.
1: Which I think I, oh, it's right here. That
0: would speed it along.
1: <laughs> this is like this Art Deco wonder uh, the, oh, wow. the actual OEM Minox tank. That's you, cool. You take the, the top off and uh, you drop the cartridge in here and it attaches to the spiral which comes up like this uh, the spiral comes up as the spiral that sticks up up top
2: yeah you
1: put the film in and then you slowly wind it down and it pulls the film out of the cartridge and into the tank
2: oh, and cool. it,
1: it uses 2 tablespoons of developer to develop a roll of film oh wow um and so, you know, I've got a I've got a splitter where I can take a roll of, of one twenty and cut it into eight uh, eight strips. Eight <laughs> strips for the loading cartridges and wow. I've all the cartridges. So, you know, for like get a roll of FOMA pan and it's like five dollars and you get eight rolls for five dollars and then develop it yourself with you know two tablespoons of developer. So it becomes <laughs> really cheap. And then I just uh, use you know two pieces of glass uh in the epson scanner the scan them and you get surprisingly good shots i mean you can if you mm. use the chain and you shoot text you can you can read like six point text uh well you know somebody w- there was a discussion in one of the facebook groups i can't remember
0: what it was but it was in regards to 110 cameras which i know that's not my knocks but you know for so many years, people saw the absolutely garbage scans, yeah, you know, the right. prints that they used to make mm. in the 80s and 90s from 110 cameras. Yep. And, you know, 110 is one of those formats, 16 millimeters, some of the sub min cameras. If you actually do it correctly, like you have somebody who knows what they're doing, you can get some incredible resolution on some of these shots. Mm-hmm. You know, I shot a Soviet 16 millimeter SLR called the Narcissus. It was made primarily for medical and scientific use, but some were sold. I, Vlad, let me borrow it. Nice. And I, I used 16 millimeter recording film. Like this is film with yeah. practically no, con, like it was like the most extreme contrast film I ever saw. Um, but I got razor sharp images from it. And when I blew them up, I was like, I was actually
1: worried people were going to think I faked it. You know, because it almost looked too good. You well, know, when you, when you when you think about it, the the Minox, which is like eight by eleven, is bigger than eight millimeter, and yet there's this like eight millimeter film revival, and yeah, you know, people you can win, uh, you know, you can win a film competition, a film festival competition with an eight millimeter film. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the Kiev thirty and the and the and the Minolta sixteen are shooting sixteen millimeter. I mean, I shoot my Kiev thirty with a uh, uh, Fuji microfilm. And they are tack sharp. And you think about it, how many films have been shot and released in 16 millimeter know all these documentary films? Right. You know, I I think Woodstock might have been shot on 16. I know that the Evil Dead was shot on 16. Texas Chainsaw was shot on 16. You know, so if it was good enough for projecting in the movie theater, you You know, they make up
0: eight by 10 out of it or something. Right. 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 But that's—I yeah. think that's—that's that's where the misconception with the smaller formats are—is that people are used to seeing like the Fisher Price one ten cameras that we all remember from when we were kids, yeah. and how horrible those pictures well, looked. Is that it, they, had, they had crappy lenses? Oh, look, I—I I,
2: I, I, I shot the KF thirty, and I, I picked it up, um, and I made an adapter for my um, Nikon CoolScan scanner, which, which scans at four thousand DPI. And it was actually quite amazing the detail the KF thirty oh, would fantastic. be able to bring out. It, 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 I just, I, I was really surprised. I, I just couldn't believe it because I'm, I'm so used to, like you said, Mike, seeing the the crappy projections or the crappy scans Damn. and and prints. And it, it's just superb. It, it's so fun. I mean, that's the thing. That there's so much fun to shoot because you're, you know, and you're sitting there pretending to be a spy and you're clicking <laughs> it away and yeah. doing all that kind of thing. <laughs>
0: I wanna I wanna uh, revive Kodak disc film and see if I can get oh. good scans out of that. Oh my
2: god. No. no, no. <laughs> oh no, no, no.
0: That is one format I could
2: try out with it. <laughs> no. You know
0: what? In all the time, all the boxes and lots of cameras that I've gotten, I have never come across a disc camera, not once.
3: Oh, Mike! You want me to start collecting them for no, you no, with no, the want, central uh, camera? I still have your <laughs> box.
0: I still have your box of Exacto bodies. <laughs> like, "Hey, I got some old cameras free." I'm like, "Oh, let's, I'll see what you got." You know, he sent me like twelve Exacto bodies.
3: Yeah, I basically sent him a boat
0: anchor. A boat anchor. I do have your your uh, your your retina that your cat puked on though. Still, so oh, thank you. Yeah,
3: yeah, thank you. He, his
0: he sent me this this retina and it's got a hairball on it. Yeah. And then, like two days later, the cat died.
2: Yeah. And so, I was Johnny's like, Oh,
0: I wish I had the like, hairball Can I have the hairball back?
3: <laughs> so, I saved it for him. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. You're welcome, buddy. Thank you. I was heartbroken. <laughs> All right. what you want to shift real quick? I can yeah. kind of maybe take us back to the small camera thing. Okay. Go um, uh, so, two things. Since, uh, since Anthony was talking about giant Fuji's, this is essentially a small Fuji because it's got Rolly's name on it, but it's a Fuji, <laughs> right? So that's the uh, Rolly AFM 35, which is the Fuji classy. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so it's it's you know autofocus point and shoot, um, but it's I mean you can do exposure compensation on it. It's amazing. This is the last camera that I ever bought a new film camera. Wow. Uh, point point. It's a point and shoot, but it was like this or. The, um, uh, the Yashica T4, they were both out at the same time. And I got this because I wanted more exposure control and I've shot probably a hundred, 200 rolls of slide film on here. And the exposures are perfect Mm. and the lens is fantastic. So it's, it's, um, I broke it. What lens is on it? Well, it's got a, uh, 38 millimeter two point six okay but it's it's a hft yeah coded lens so it's got a really really good lens on it cool. um and so does the the fuji does as well
1: so it's fixed not, not a zoom not a zoom wow
3: yeah so it it's um basically a luxury point and shoot you know yeah. and and the, these things like the fuji one goes for huge money now because they've turned into a cult camera yeah. so i broke this i broke the uh the film latch on it because it's just a little piece of plastic so i had to buy a dead fuji classy and switch the backs to get this thing working again Mm -hmm. but it was totally worth it i've been shooting this thing again and it's just it's such a great little camera to have in your pocket and i'm literally shooting slide film on it because it's so the results are so good so i am
0: just terrified of like that category of cameras though like oh the contacts is the issue know <laughs> you know even even the x-pan you know you, yeah, i had one I, I, I borrowed and the battery died on it and i couldn't get it to turn back on again i was like shit and bricks yeah you know and it just turned out when i put an energizer on it it was fine but yeah. it's like i'm just i mean it's your camera you've had it since it was new but i've
3: had it since new
0: when, yeah. when you see what people pay for some of these you know um oh it's it's terrifying. Yeah, it
2: is. Oh, look, the Mamiya 7 scares me in that respect. I mean, yeah. if one day decides to stop, am yeah. oh, that's, that's 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 like that's like about six or seven thousand dollars down go out. I mean yeah, out the yeah. window. That's yeah, that's right. not cheap.
3: Well, to the other extreme here, this is the other camera I was holding up. It's gotta There's, be a, NECA. It's a It's a tower, but tower, you know, okay. look at how things don't really change, right? Yeah, it's it's almost, about the same size, yeah. It's got the curved end on the end. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's like, when you really think about it, it's not that much different. No, it, it really isn't. Right. So this tower, um, I bought basically cause it had a, uh, 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 Nikkor, the 50 millimeter F2 attached to it. And I bought it for the lens. It was basically a lens cap, you know, rear lens cap. So, but it, you know, I was looking at it when I got it and I'm like, this is actually a really nice camera. So I finally sent it to Yoshin Yi and got it overhauled and now it's back and it's running super smooth. And it's, it's essentially a perfect replica of the Leica Mm three, but with a built-in, you know, flash sync. And I actually feel like it's probably it's smoother. I think they're actually more nicely finished than most of the Leica threes are. So you know, well, I, it you just... know,
0: read, read my review. If you haven't already of the tower 45. Oh yeah. That, that's a different, that's an it's an amazing a, camera. It's a later version of that, but the right. history section about NECA, um, you know, they started out as a Canon, the Hansa Canon service center mm. and Canon had, had made the, the Hansa Canon in the thirties. And it was kind of like their you know, M30, well, it wasn't even M39. Then they, they had, what's was called the Canon, It was kind of like the the contacts mount, but then they switched to something called the Canon J mount. But the the cameras were so complicated that when Japan went to war in World War II, the government said, we need like cameras. And Canons was too complicated. You know, even the lens mount, which was made by Nikon, you know, Nippon Kugaku, like even they couldn't get it right. You know, Zeiss (laughs) couldn't do it right. You know, the the Japanese tried to do it. They couldn't get it right. So the Japanese government said, hey, we need Leica copies. So they started Nippon Camera Works, which Mm -hmm. was literally Japan camera company. And Nippon eventually just became Nika, and, you know, in, during World War II, the first Nikkas were made exclusively for the Japanese military wow. to be exact carbon copies, mm. you know. So if you think about it, most Japanese screw mount rangefinders, the cannons, the Minoltas, were always really, they weren't ever copies. Right. You know what I mean? Right. The Japanese yeah. always changed something. I right. mean, in, in many cases, they improved it. Yeah, but they still change something. But Absolutely. But Nika, Nika was really the only Japanese. I mean, there was Honor. There's another one called with a T, Tanak. Tanak.
2: There, yeah. there were some others. Yeah. But
0: Nika was, yeah, there's, that's a Tanak. Yep, there you go.
2: Tanak. But yeah. The, oh, yeah.
0: The history of Nika was they started making these cameras specifically for the Japanese military so that they could use Leica lenses, and they yeah. wanted it to be as as close as possible for to the real thing. So yeah. you know we, we've all seen what the Japanese can do when they put their mind to it. Back then, well, the Nikka was truly a Leica copy, a clone, yeah.
3: and it, it it feels in yeah. every regard exactly like a Leica three. Yeah, you know. it it really does and if anything it's not it the to me the Leica 3s they feel a little bit like there's everything's got a little bit of play you know what I mean yeah they feel a little bit of they're a little bit of you know a little rattly this thing is like it's solid doesn't make a sound so my
0: 45 is 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 freaking awesome
3: yeah it's a beautiful camera so I I'm really glad I finally sent it to Yoshin Yi and finally got it back
1: I, I don't really have the, the leica gene you know i'm not a, a leica obsessed person i i blundered into my m3 and i'm glad that i have it but I've never even added a, a, a lens other than what i got when i got that m3 yeah but i did pick up that leotax from bernard oh that's right the leotax, it leotax. is <laughs> like a jewel i mean Those this are beautiful. is so precise yeah, and, yeah you know it's like every so often i think i should just you know, I should get like, a, I should call up to Mark and just get like a 3F and and just have one that like I know has been overhauled and it comes from a reputable dealer. And then I pick up my Leah tax and think, yeah. Eh. This one really scratches the itch, and yeah, it does really. I
0: mean, I'm not going to shit on the Screw Mount like it's because they're fantastic. I mean, there's a reason they're as popular as they were. But to suggest that there aren't cameras that are as good as them is is silly, you know. And you get a nice Nika, you get a nicely attacks. I've never handled a Tanek, you know, but it seems like it's it's on that same level, you know.
2: And you know, people shit on. Go ahead. I'll I'll say something on the Tanek that might gasp and then they will explain to the listeners loading oh it's hinged oh yeah,
0: yeah, hinged. yeah. Did yeah. That.
2: That's, that's the big difference the Tanax actually came with uh, the swing back rather mm-hmm. than the bottom loading the, the later and, uh, guys, to your point yeah the, go to your point mike where you know the japanese took it on but they they kept it innovating and adding features as well
0: yeah the supposedly the story goes is that lights insisted on the bottom loaders is because it was the only way to guarantee like perf- no light leaks yeah which which there is some validity in that you right. put a hinge and a latch on the side of your Absolutely. camera it's gonna leak eventually
2: mm-hmm. you
0: know i mean yeah. now we all know that pinholes can develop in the curtains but you know back then that was less yeah. of an issue yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> right this one has pinholes Yeah, i've also got 3f which has also got pinholes so my my hit rate with the uh, the L thirty nine mount hasn't uh, been great at the yeah, moment.
3: You know the the thing is, I would say just from having seen a lot of these things come in in unaltered condition, because um, we'd get them at Central quite a bit. We'd get old Leicas, and the the actually the the curtains on the older ones, like pre nineteen fifty, let's say, tend to be in better shape than the mm-hmm. ones after. Like the older ones, the curtains tend to be in better shape than the later ones. So it's just it's a I add it's just I think I don't know whatever material they were using or whatever. If
0: you ever get a chance to pick up one of the pre-war like uh or post early post war American the Claris MS thirty-five or those Perfects Mm -hmm. cameras. I have never seen one with pinholes in the curtains. Wow. Now, they may have a whole bunch of other problems, right. but the, for what whatever rubber or what synthetic material they were using mm. back then is huh. superior to what was being used post-war. Wow. I mean, I, I have at least three Perfexes here. Uh, Rick Olison, you know, he's, he's a big fan of those cameras too. And I know a few other people that have them too. And like I said, the shutter may not work at all or the speeds may be way off, but the curtains themselves hold up amazingly well.
3: Wow. Crazy.
0: (laughs) So we've, we've crossed the one hour barrier. Um, I kind of wanted to keep this around that level. That way it's a little bit more uh, uh, easy to absorb. Um, So I wanted to thank you guys for, for participating in this. Um, like I said, this is, this is, I'm calling this the first ever open source film photography podcast. Uh, it's probably not evident from this one cause we didn't have anybody call in, but that's my <laughs> intent is to have, uh, something where people can just sort of jump in and, and share what they've gotten new. Um, you know, keep it on topic, you know, off topic, whatever. Um, you know, maybe, maybe we won't talk about the weather for, for too many hours, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but you know again i want to say thanks you guys uh, it's always a pleasure talking to you all um and uh i guess we'll do this again next week hey mike yeah
1: where, where can we find you on the web
0: where can we find me on the web uh <laughs> we'll just go to google uh, <laughs> uh mike um you know i'm on um the facebook pages vcc um You can find me anywhere.
3: You know, my favorite way to find Mike is just randomly look up a camera because it's probably going to turn up one of his, I swear to God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating when I have a camera that doesn't show up on Google. It's like, I don't necessarily need to be the top ranking site but I can clearly tell that there are certain reviews I've written that aren't showing, you know, and it's like, all right, whatever. But it's like, I spent time on that stuff and, you know, I, I, you know, it's frustrating when some of them just mysteriously don't show up. So I guess (laughs) I need to write stronger wording letters to Google or something.
2: (laughs) So, all right. All right. Well, thanks. I'll I'll add, um, I'll just add that uh, anyone interested also have a look at photo thinking.com. That's, that's what, I believe with all rage for
0: everybody as well. Yeah. site's great too. Um, he, he does kind of similar to what I do. Uh, has some excellent reviews with a little bit of history, a little bit of use, some sample images. Uh, and Johnny, you know, of course, central camera, classic lenses, podcast, Johnny's sister photography. Uh, he's, he's a Jack of all trades too. Uh, Anthony, you need to get a website. He's too busy, yeah,
1: though. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm I mostly, you know, I'm using Instagram kind of as a sketchbook. And so I post a lot, you know, like every time I run a different camera, a different film, I post examples on, on Instagram. So Kino underscore Pravda on there. And uh, then all of my work goes up on Flickr, uh, which is actually under my old name of Design Design in German to figure that one out.
0: Th- this is my first podcast. So, Johnny, do I have to have like show notes and I'll include all these links? Is that the best if way you to do to. it? If you want to. Whatever. No, I do. I, I, want, I want to be mainstream. <laughs> oh, all right. Thanks, guys. Uh, appreciate Thanks, it. Mike. All right. Thanks. Talk to you later. Thanks. Good night.
2: Thanks, guys. Right.